Now that this week in history is history, it's time to sit back, relax, and relive the week that was in U.S. history class. Coming to you live from 185, Mr. Palumbo is ready to take you on a journey into the past to understand the present and change the future. This is Pushcast. Hey everybody, and welcome to this edition of the Pushcast for the third week of March 2019. Um, we're checking in here for a, a special podcast or a Pushcast edition uh, to review for the 30-week assessment, uh, which is going to be given uh, Monday and Tuesday of next week, so March 24th and 25th. Looking over your 30-week assessment uh, review sheet uh, that we provided for you a few days ago, um, with everything on it that we've covered. Um, you know, all the main topics from the beginning of the year up until now. A lot of these things were covered already on the midterm edition of the Pushcast. Um, so I recommend checking that out. You know, not right now, but at some point um, between now uh, and Monday when you do take your 30-week um, to listen for all those things from September. Um, I go in depth on all that and I run through um, the midterm review sheet. So what I'm going to do now is just to, to save a little bit of time and not to go over everything again is to pick up... Um, kind of where that left off, um, to pick up the things that we've done just the past few weeks here, um, the things that are going to be uh, on the 30-week that you're going to need to know. Um, and then uh, we're going to jump to the back of the review sheet and we're going to look at the writing task um, that we're going to do specifically on Tuesday. And we'll talk through um, some tips and tricks and ideas um, and things you're going to want to know and include in that writing task to do a really nice job on that. So looking at the review sheet itself, being down, again, a bunch of the things that we would have covered on the midterm edition, I'd recommend go back and, and listen to, if you haven't already, the Gilded Age episode uh, that we did just uh, the end of last week. You know, those things, you know, those two previous uh, episodes, the midterm and the Gilded Age one, cover a lot of the stuff already that's on your term sheet. Uh, but just some of the new things that we've covered since then, they're going to make a priority to have on the 30-week assessment, um, you know, towards the end of it. Uh, towards the end of the assessment, the last you know few questions or so, we'll talk about those now. But as far as the new stuff, we haven't covered any of the pushcasts yet. Uh, the things from the past couple weeks. Um, that's our immigration unit. Um, I said a decent portion um, of your 30 week is going to be that immigration unit. Um, instead of doing a separate you know test or quiz in a couple of days and you know kind of just you know having too much testing done, we're going to build it into your 30 week. Um, so we'll review that stuff here first. Um, and then we'll jump into the, the essay portion, the writing part. So starting with immigration, uh, the first two uh, terms or ideas or things to look at are the difference between old immigrants and new immigrants. Um, and those terms, old and new, are, you know, social studies terms. These are the way that these different waves of immigration are described, um, old and new. A few different things differentiate whether uh, someone's going to fall into that old or new category. Um, the old immigrants... Uh, we generally consider those um, that come after the Civil War, so 1865, um, up until the 1880s. Um, be considered, you know, the start of Industrial Revolution in the United States as old immigrants. Uh, so the time period is the first thing that differentiates them. Uh, the next is where they came from. Um, a majority of these folks uh, we see are from Northern and Western Europe, uh, countries like England, Ireland, um, Germany, Scandinavian countries, so Norway and Sweden and Finland, Denmark, and a lot of the Dutch uh, immigrants, a lot that we see here, you know, just around us, a lot of the last names of, um, you know, people here, a lot of any van last name um, is Dutch, and, and we're able to name a lot of those in class, so uh, those types are considered old immigrants. 
Um, and then the, the third thing that differentiates old and new is where they went once they arrived in the United States. Uh, old immigrants uh, generally uh, move to more rural areas um, like here in western New York or out onto the Great Plains um, to find farmland in those rural open spaces um, and set up farms and, and work in agriculture. So that's, again, something that's going differ to differentiate old and new. Um, we looked at some you know, current examples of that, like uh, the Milwaukee, you know, the, the baseball team in Milwaukee is the Milwaukee Brewers, um, you know, from a German, you know, beer making heritage. Uh, and again, obviously the, you know, the van last names here in Newark too, uh, a more rural area fits in with that. Um, now a new immigrant to be considered in that category, uh, they generally arrived in the United States from 1880 uh, to the 1920s. Um, so a little bit later on, thus being new immigrants. Um, they came from Southern and Eastern Europe, uh, generally. Uh, so this is Italians, Greeks, uh, Polish, Russian, a lot of Jewish folks from Eastern Europe um, fit into that category. Um, also, once they arrived in the United States, is something that differentiates them. Uh, they stayed more on the East Coast, uh, generally lived in larger population areas, so living in big cities like New York, Boston, uh, Philadelphia, Chicago, um, and we saw that today um, looking at different maps of ethnic neighborhoods in New York City um, and in Chicago. So think of Little Italy and Chinatown. Um, you know, those larger cities are broken up into ethnic areas. Um, and that goes back to uh, the immigrant tradition of living in big cities and, and staying um, clustered together uh, with folks of your same culture, language. Now, obviously, connecting this issue uh, to the previous unit that we had on industrialization in the Gilded Age, um, is a major reason why these folks settled uh, in these cities, right? To be closer to factories and the industrialization that was taking place um, and to get jobs here. So think of the previous unit that we did. Um, you know, anytime where we saw, um, you know, workers working in these factories or we saw families living in tenements or uh, kids working child labor, um, these were generally um, these new immigrants that we're talking about this unit. Um, so, so making those connections from one unit to the next um, is kind of a higher level skill, a next level thing that um, is really important for us uh, to understand and be able to do. Um, now those differences between old and new um, is going to lead to the next topic we had as far as immigration, uh, which is the ability to assimilate or to blend in um, to American culture. Uh, we had a couple different terms that we talked about, um, either the melting pot theory or where everyone, you know, kind of blends together and we have one um, unique, um, you know, in indistinguishable American culture uh, or the mixed salad theory where uh, different immigrant groups keep their culture uh, and you're able to, to see those on display. In America today is very much that, that mixed salad idea where uh, we can see, you know, different cultures, heritage. Um, different languages, uh, different traditions and holidays, food choices, um, things like that um, are still celebrated in the United States. Now, while we celebrate a lot of those differences um, and we enjoy a lot of those cultural differences here in the United States, um, that led to some problems at the time um, and even still today. So between the two immigrant groups, we looked at which one had an easier time assimilating or blending in uh, to the United States. Um, and that was the old immigrants, uh, so those folks from northern Western Europe uh, that move on uh, to the Great Plains to live in the more rural areas. Um, the reasons for that um, we discussed were language, number one. A lot of these folks coming in already speak English, so it's easier for them to, um, you know, blend into the United States. Uh, look, 
right? So folks from Northern Europe, you know, it's very difficult to, to distinguish a, a German from a Swedish person, from a Norwegian, uh, from a British person or an Irish person. So, you know, that's one thing that they don't really stand out uh, terribly much. Um, and another is, again, where they went to live, uh, out in rural areas. Um, you know, there's wide open spaces, wide open expanses of land um, out in the Great Plains and in the Midwest. Um, so there's really no competition uh, with these new immigrants, or excuse me, the old immigrants that arrived. Um, there's really no competition. Um, the government, you know, with the Homestead Act, is is basically giving land away to anybody um, that's willing to take it and improve that land, um, including immigrants. Um, so you know, they were really welcomed uh, to the United States uh, with open arms. Um, now the new immigrant group, uh, those that came later. Um, during the Industrial Revolution from Southern and Eastern Europe and Asia um, faced um, uh, a different look uh, from the American people. Um, we understand and learn the word nativism. A few days ago, those people that um, discriminate against uh, immigrants. And a couple reasons for that are, um, again, language. Right, So these people don't speak English. Um, that's why they live in, in these ethnic neighborhoods. They can uh, live amongst themselves and they can still use their language um, here in America uh, and still get by uh, in their ethnic neighborhoods. They go to stores uh, and shops where the shopkeepers speak their language. They read newspapers in their language. Um, they go to you know markets that sell food that's familiar with their culture. Um, so having a more difficult time to assimilate into the United States. Uh, look is, is something obviously you know, darker complexions, uh, going along with the different languages. Um, again, unfortunately, make them a target um, for nativism during industrialization. And the final one, again, is where they live, right? They live in the cities, uh, working in factories where there is competition for jobs, where there is competition for work. Um, and these new immigrants arriving are seen as um, accepting lower wages. Um, so they're very much looked down upon by you know, Americans that are looking for work in those factories as well um, and competing for those jobs, competing for living space in the cities, um, competing for good housing. Um, so there's going to be a very anti-immigrant, um, you know, mood going through the country um, during the industrialization towards these new immigrants. All right. And again, the term for that, nativism. Um, stemming from this, a couple of new laws and policies are going to come. First, there's going to be uh, like a Chinese, the Chinese Exclusion Act is one specific law that we looked at that specifically excludes or keeps out uh, Chinese immigrants starting in 1882. Um, and that law is not repealed until the 1940s. Uh, so Chinese immigrants are specifically kept out of the United States. Um, same with Japanese immigrants uh, with a gentleman's agreement. Um, so really limiting Asian immigration on the West Coast uh, for the same reasons, competition with jobs, different culture, different language. Um, and then we're on the East Coast um, to deal with immigration there. We see quotas being established. Quotas are a set number of folks allowed in from different countries. Um, so we saw uh, a, a data table from the government uh, in 1924 of which immigrant groups are allowed in and how many of each, what the quota is. So we saw you know, 50,000 Germans were allowed in, uh, 35,000 British folks were allowed in versus you know, 9,000 Italians uh, versus 100 Egyptians, 100 Syrians. So a, a major uh, bend towards uh, those northern and western European immigrants, uh, inviting and encouraging them to come in 
at that time while at the same time restricting and limiting immigration uh, for Southern and Eastern Europeans um, and people from, from the rest of the world. So that's right where we left off with the immigration unit. You know, from there, we moved on to our, you know, 30-week assessment review from the past couple of days. So that last little bit there on immigration is going to be, you know, 10 or so questions uh, of your 30-week assessment. Um, so be ready for those and look over any of those immigration notes uh, that we had. Uh, because they're not just going to help you on the multiple choice section. Uh, they're also going to help you tremendously on the writing task, which we're going to transition to now. Um, so if you look at the back of your 30-week assessment review sheet, um, I provide for you the actual question that we're going to be writing about and doing the writing portion on Tuesday. Um, so the task is, or the theme of this one, this is an old thematic essay um, from a Regents exam. Uh, the theme is migrations, or the movement of people. Um, I picked this one for a couple reasons. Number one, uh, there's a few different choices in here that you can write about. Um, there are things we've covered recently. Um, another reason is because this is a relatively popular thematic essay choice. Uh, but we haven't seen it in a, in a number of years, um, so it could be due. These thematic essays are um, relatively cyclical, um, so we can see you know which ones are coming up. And so this one, migrations, it's from the January 2009 Regents exam. Um, so just knowing that, you can jump online and simply Google New York State U.S. History Regents, um, and you can go to the same site that I use to get um, you know, test questions and essay questions. It has there uh, in the public domain all previous Regents exams. Uh, so you can go and read the, read the grading materials for this essay. You can read the rubric for it. You can see um, some sample essays and anchor papers. Um, so that's something you can do with you know, your weekend and, and Monday night before we get this writing task on, on Tuesday. The, the task is specifically, you're going to pick two periods of migration that had an impact on the United States. So any two of the migrations that we've talked about, and a list is given below. The ones I suggest going for, um, we've covered recently, would be westward expansion in the 1800s, rural to urban migration in the 1870s to 1920s, or European immigration from 1880 to 1910. Um, those are three I'd suggest. Um, the, the first one there, colonial settlement, uh, that may be a little bit difficult uh, for us to find enough information to have. And the three that come after it, we simply haven't covered yet. Um, so basically pick two out of those three to be your writing choices. Um, and within those, you're going to be given two bullets here. And these two bullets or dots are specifically, uh, according to the grading materials, what you're going to be graded on. And this is what we have to base your grade on. Um, so the first one is describe the historical circumstance that led to this migration. And the second is discuss the impact that this migration had on the United States. Now, a couple things there um, to help you understand these directions, um, to give you an advantage um, and help you do a really nice job. So the first bullet says describe the historical circumstances that led to the migration. This is just a really fancy way of saying before. What's everything that led up to it? Um, and we will note that there's no cutoff there. It doesn't say, you know, describe the historical circumstances in the 50 years previous or the 100 years previous. You can go as far back in history as you want here to lead up to what caused this migration. And then the second bullet discussed the impact that this migration had on the United States. Again, what happened after the migration. And again, we don't have a cutoff. You can go as far forward in history as you like. You can talk about right now, um, in 2019, 
um, any impacts that this migration may have on, on America today. So understanding that um, and knowing that you don't have a time restriction there really expands the stuff that you can write about, right? So for those those of you that say, oh, I can't write that much, I can't write anymore, I can't write you know, 12 or 15 sentences about this, um, maybe that specific topic you can't, right? But if you can expand it to the whole time period before and the whole time period after, um, there's so much more there to, to grab things and pull things out of um, to write about. And that's really going to strengthen your writing also because you're going to be connecting different eras and different time periods to the one that you're writing about. And that's really the next level stuff uh, that we're looking for. Um, so just a few quick things about the setup. I would suggest making um, a quick outline um, sometime before Tuesday uh, to get all your information uh, laid out, um, find it, acquire it, um, you know, come meet with me during study halls or, or lunches or after school to talk about it and plan it out or just show it to me um, in class sometime, um, you know, Monday or Tuesday uh, to see how it looks. So what I would do is uh, when I set up an outline for my thematic, you're always given a blank sheet of paper uh, to set up an outline with, so nothing's pre-made here. Um, I always draw a line horizontally, cutting the paper in half, so that signifies, you know, my first body paragraph will be on top, and my second body paragraph will be on the bottom, right, for the, to, for the two different periods you have to write about. Um, and then within those two body paragraph sections, you look at how many bullets that, that you're given to do or how many dots that you're supposed to do. And for this one, there's two. So I'm going to take that paragraph, and I'm going to draw a line down it vertically, right, cutting that into two boxes. So basically you're going to have a grid of, of four boxes, because um, there's four different parts of this task, right? Do two things for two different migrations. Um, and that ensures that you're going you're gonna, to um, complete that task, right? You're going to satisfy what you're supposed to do. If you do your outline and one of those boxes is blank, um, you know you're not ready to write. And um, according to the grading rubric, if you miss just one of those bullets for one of those topics, the highest you can get on this thematic essay is a one out of five. Um, just for getting one of those dots. So um, you know, making an outline and making sure you have things filled in there um, is really imperative to make sure that um, you don't forget something uh, or leave something out. Um, looking at the three choices I suggest, we'll give a little bit about each one here and some suggestions and things you should probably be thinking about and writing about. You know, feel free to pause and stop and you know, kind of copy down what we say here. Give you some idea of which of the two that you want um, to do, which two out of the three. Um, so the first migration that I suggested was to do westward expansion. And looking at the before, or excuse me, the 1800s it says. Um, looking at the before, uh, again, there's as far back here as you want to go. Um, so westward expansion, and again, you can go back and listen to that, Pushcast episode two, is just moving west. So really, this is any time after the colonies are set up, right? The, the 13 colonies are established on the east coast. Um, we defeat the British, we become a country. Um, and then any addition of, of land after that is going to be in the West, right? So you can start out in the colonial era here talking. So you can go back as far as that, um, and you should. So, you know, talk about, you know, we gained land after we beat the British. Um, the Louisiana Purchase, obviously, is a major topic that you could talk about for expanding westward. Uh, the Mexican-American War, gained that land in the Southwest, and the Mexican Cession, you know, the work that we've done with that. So talk about first how we got the land itself, because that's the historical circumstance. We have to have the land before people can move on to it, right? So that's what we're looking for for this, for this historical circumstance. And then we can start talking about people moving out there. One thing you might want to think about is how do people even get out there? Um, so here you can bring in the Transcontinental Railroad. 
bringing folks out to the West. We're talking about the Homestead Act, right? That law that's passed to encourage settlement of the West, um, giving away 160 acres of land um, to anybody that wants to move out there and settle. Again, including the unit that we just covered, right? Newly arrived immigrants can use that. Um, single women, former slaves after the Civil War. So all those different groups can, can take advantage of the Homestead Act. Think about maybe the gold rush. I'm going back a little bit, actually, going backwards. In 1849, encouraging people to move out to the West. Um, in 1850, uh, remember thus the San Francisco 49ers. And what I just did there mentally, I'm just kind of doing this off the top of my head, uh, that's a good advertisement for doing an outline. The gold rush is going to happen before, obviously, uh, the Homestead Act in 1862. Um, if I was just writing my essay, um, just off the top of my head, I'd have to you know, cross something out or draw an arrow you know, up to where I wanted that. It'd be a little bit sloppy. But when you do an outline, you, know, you just kind of throw things on the paper as they come out of your head. Um, that's a good advertisement for doing an outline there. But now the effects of westward migration. Uh, we did a lot of work with the effects on Native Americans um, and the buffalo population right, with um, hunters and settlers out in the west. Um, and the difference of the settlers used for the buffalo versus the Indians used for the buffalo, um, and the impact on the numbers of, of Plains Indians. You know, talk all about that stuff. Um, and again, you can bring it up to today, right? All those areas have become states. You know, California is the most populated state on the West Coast. Think of ways how you can make those connections. Uh, the next topic that you could choose to do is rural to urban migration, right? Or urbanization, people moving from the country into the cities. Um, during the 1870s to 1920s. So this is during the Industrial Age. Historical circumstance there, again, you can set it up in the 1870s is, is really where that starts. Um, and you can uh, talk about the start of the Industrial Revolution and you know factories beginning to be made um, after the Civil War in the North. Um, we can look at the Great Migration. We can build that into this. African Americans in the South leaving the South for the reasons that we've talked about previously. Um, moving to Northern cities, for opportunities and jobs there. You can bring in immigration, right? Those new immigrants moving to the cities uh, for work. And then the impacts of that, right? This is during our Gilded Age, our industrialization unit. Some of the positive impacts, obviously, the tremendous wealth being gained by these factory owners and new innovations. Um, but a lot of the negatives, too, of the Gilded Age. Here we're looking at overcrowding in the cities and tenements. Um, here we're looking at child labor, um, extremely low wages, in these factories, dangerous working conditions uh, because of laissez-faire. Um, so you can bring in all those different things here as well. And again, to bring it up to the present, talk about anything you know about cities today. All right, you still have the ethnic neighborhoods. Uh, there's still issues of overcrowding and you know housing issues and um, anything like that you can bring in as well. And finally, European immigration um, would be the third migration for you to look at out of the two that you want to choose. And again, the setup for that, uh, the before, Right? Think of the reasons why people are coming to the United States, um, why they want to leave uh, where they are, looking up and finding those reasons and talking about that stuff. Talk about the difference between old and new immigrants, where they go once they arrive in the United States, um, and then the historical circumstances of that. Uh, but again, then looking at the impact. All right, the impact on cities. Nativism, this anti-immigrant sentiment um, starting uh, with these new immigrants, right? This, the Southern Eastern Europeans, the Italians, Catholics, Jews, Asian immigrants with the Chinese Exclusion Act. Um, mention all of those things as impact. Um, and again, you can even go till today. Like we said, America being that mixed salad, a mix of uh, different cultures and traditions that we celebrate. But at the same time, 
maybe a new wave of anti-immigrant sentiment, you know, looking at the southern border in terms of immigration and family separations and, and issues we have with, with immigration still in the United States today um, and different views of it. So those are just some, some ideas, some suggestions on how to set up uh, that writing task. Hopefully, uh, you plan it out and you, you do some looking up on your own, back at your own notes and maybe some old push casts um, and things like that. And if, uh, again, if you have any questions about it or any of the topics uh, that we've covered here, again, feel free to reach out. I had a student during the midterms actually wrote uh, a practice essay uh, during the weekend and took a picture of it on her phone and, and emailed it to me at my school email address and asking, you know, how's the essay look and any suggestions. So absolutely feel free to do that. All right. Our goal here is for you to do as, as great as possible. Um, I always say you can do as you can do as well as you want to do. So simply by listening to this, you've certainly made a big step in that direction. I uh, thank you uh, for logging on and listening and uh, hope you enjoy the rest of your weekend. And uh, bye-bye.